Good morning guys, how are you? Great. My name is Tom and I'm married to Jess. We've got four kids, three of which are in the service right now. Um, and one, I don't know, if you see a kid anywhere, she doesn't have a neon cap. So, uh, um, But yeah, it's great to meet you guys. If I haven't met you, I'd love to talk to you afterwards. Uh, I have the distinct privilege to be one of the elders here, which may seem funny because I'm not that old, but we are a team of guys that are serving and seeking God for wisdom and vision and clarity as we're kind of trying to love you guys and point you towards Jesus all the time. And uh, one of the things that we've been working through as a church is kind of bringing clarity to our vision. What are we doing as a church community, as a, as a body of people, as individuals? What are we doing with our lives? Um, and so welcome. If this is your first time, you're kind of hopping into the middle of this whole vision series. So hopefully you can kind of catch up quickly and it'll be a good kind of insight into kind of what we believe, what we do here and, and what's, what's going on with that. So who's excited about the Super Bowl? Yes. Man, if I was in the States, I would, people would have been cheering. There would have been flags, you know, it would have been incredible. But anyways, enough about the Super Bowl, I guess. So side note, did you guys know Jennifer Lopez is 50? She's 50 years old, so pretty wild. Uh, hey, who's playing at the halftime show? J-Lo. That's, why That's why I brought that up, sorry. Again, wrong crowd, man. This is for the state. This is not... If I talked about, like, Gord Downey or something like that, it'd be different. But anyways, have you guys ever... I'm sure this has happened to you. You're driving along and you're driving behind a semi-truck or something, and your windshield is just becoming increasingly blurry, and then you have the dashboard, you look down, and you have the you need windshield wiper fluid icon, and then you're just like, what are we gonna do? And you're stuck on like some long road that you can't get off of, and it's just miserable, because you can't enjoy the journey or the process. You're basically going from maybe you're on like a nice drive to I just don't wanna die, and you're just like trying to not hit stuff, and you're just trying to, to just survive and make sure your kids are safe, and sometimes, you know, if this is happening to us or if I'm not doing it enough, my wife will reach over and do it for me. So, yeah, so that happens sometimes. It leads to some interesting conversations and facial expressions for both of us. Um, but the nice thing is when you do have windshield wiper fluid, you just flip it on and all of a sudden you clear up your windshield and you're good to go again. You can enjoy what you, what's going on around you. You can enjoy the journey and the process. And it's not so much about survival. It's about actually experiencing things. And I was, talking about, I was talking to my one friend, Jim Ingram, years ago, and he told me a story of that happening. He was driving on the highway. He was out of windshield wiper fluid, couldn't see anything. So he's like thinking, what do I do? What do I do? Look down. He had a Tim Hortons coffee, double-double, I think it was, or four-by-four four at that time. No, I'm just kidding. Double-double. And he was like, oh, I'll, I'll throw this on the windshield. Problem solved. And so he threw it on the windshield, and lo and behold, it was not. It made things so much worse. <laughs> Just cream, just, you know, freezing to the windshield. <laughs> but he knew he had to do something. He's like, I cannot see. It's blurry. I, I'm, it's dangerous. I need to kind of bring some clarity to things. But it was the right intention, just the wrong ingredients, right? Yeah. Cream is not the best windshield wiper fluid to use. If you guys were wondering, don't do it. And this morning, we're going to do not what Jim did. Our, our hope and prayer is that we're going to be continuing our pastoral vision of bringing clarity this morning. And so we're going to do that by doing a brief recap of the last two weeks' messages. And then we're going to kind of summarize and explain our vision at a huge, like, high level. This is kind of the big picture stuff, like 20,000-foot level. And then we're going to close this morning with taking communion together. Okay? 
And so my heart is, you know, we've, we've been talking about some big stuff. My heart this morning is that it's a bit more laid back. We're just kind of having a conversation. We're talking through some stuff. I feel really excited and encouraged about what God's doing. And I just feel like let's just have a good time together this morning. Sound good? Okay, wow. So if you guys have your Bibles, Colossians 1. We're going to read a few scriptures and we're going to pray and then we'll hop in. So Colossians 1, verse 15 to 23. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven. Let's pray together. Father, we're grateful that we can come together and be in your presence. And I ask this morning that that you would help um, the, the, the message of your kingdom comes through really clearly in our response as humans, as people that you're inviting to partner with you, that we would have a clear understanding of what it is that we're actually stepping into. And I pray that this morning would be helpful in bringing clarity and vision and that, Lord, you would unite hearts, that we would unite around the right things and that dreams would be sparked this morning and that um, ideas would be replaced with, with new ideas and all kinds of stuff, whatever you want to do. We just invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and have your way. We love you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So guys, again, really brief recap of the last two weeks. So the first week, um, we talked about the story of the Bible. What is the story of the Bible? What's going on here? How do we define reality? There's so many different stories being told to us every single day. What is the story of the Bible? What is the story that actually defines reality? And for us as followers of Jesus, we find that story in the Bible. And the story of the Bible is, first of all, a story is the best way to understand how things really are. And so we look to the Bible for that. And the story of the Bible is this. It's the story of heaven on earth being ripped into heaven and earth, followed by God's glorious mission to reunite these two realms once again. It's a great story. So that is the, a summary of the story of the Bible. And what we see is that as followers of Jesus, we need to enter into that story by faith by trusting God and think and, and realizing that how he defines reality is the way I want to I define reality. How he defines good and evil is the way I want to define good and evil. The way he makes sense of things, I want to make sense of things. And this beautiful gift of the word of God is how we do that. So we understand reality through the story of scripture. And we, it's in five parts. Creation, God creates everything, it's good. We rebel against God. We want to do things in our own way. Thus, entering in this whole process of redemption, which is God's response to our rebellion. And then that is the culmination of which is Jesus' death on the cross. And then he ushers in this whole new season of renewal. And that's all heading towards new creation. So again, all this stuff is on the podcast, guys, if you want to listen to it in more depth. But just want to kind of give a brief recap of that. So we 
have shown you guys this picture that we've been using of these four circles. So the, the two circles that we're going to talk about with this story is the story of kingdom come or of heaven coming to earth or moreover God's rule coming to God's place. Okay, so those gold little circles are to, to symbolize these coming together of two things. That, that the story of scripture is the story of heaven coming to earth again, right? We don't leave to go to heaven. Heaven actually comes to earth. And how we're explaining that within the context of, of vision and of us as a church community and what does it look like to live life in this reality, it's God's rule where what he wants done is done is taking place in a specific area in people's hearts and lives in a community in a neighborhood in a restaurant all those things that's that's what we want we want god's kingdom or what he wants done is done to, to take up residence and be there in, in every aspect of our life god's rule is expressed by a king and that king is jesus yes. and we see in his life that it's, it's a massive incredible demonstration of love repeatedly in all forms and shapes god's place we read in colossians this morning that he is the creator of the universe so he's coming back to his place. He's the creator and the sustainer. And the point I want to make here, guys, with these two circles and the whole motion thing is that the, the, the intention of God is union, is oneness. It's not separation. Okay? So there's two things coming together. And then last week, Josh did a great job explaining the next two circles about what does it look like for God's way to move in on God's people? How does that work? And he talked through how Jesus is the perfect representation of the Father and how Jesus comes and shows us how to be human, and in that process, he invites us to follow him, which is incredible. What a beautiful invitation that's been extended to us. God's way, Josh defined it simply as this. God's way is Jesus. He's the way and the truth and the life. And God's people, this is a challenging definition he used, God's people are those who have God's way explicitly present in their lives. It's challenging. But this is a process. If we take an honest look at ourselves, if we think about how I'm living my life, and how Jesus lived his life, massive gap. Someone laugh? Back at you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but if we're honest, that's the thing. There's a massive gap between how I'm living and how Jesus is living. And there's a massive gap between my way and God's way. And the process of those things coming to union is this beautiful thing, this difficult thing, this thing that we want to give our lives to, and that's discipleship. That's apprenticeship to Jesus. It's continually laying down my way and trusting him for his. It's continually doing that in every aspect and area of my life. And in this process, in what we see in the story of God, in reality, we see that Jesus invites these people to come and follow him. And he says, hey, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And so he gives the, he's inviting them into this whole new vocation and, and possibility and reason for living. And we broke down this process of discipleship this way. So this, again, the two circles coming together, God's way coming into God's people, or God and man coming together in union. And so the, the purpose of this or the goals we have of, of being disciples of Jesus or apprentices to Jesus are three. It's to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. And we have a slide there for that. So within that process of Jesus saying, hey, come follow me, he's inviting us into intimacy. He's saying, hey, come be with me. And when he says, hey, and I will make you, he's saying, listen, I will transform you. That gap that you see in, in my way, in your way, I will help you close the gap on that. Come learn from me how to do that. And then finally, and, do, uh, and I will make you fishers of men is the mission. And that's what we're going to eventually do what Jesus did. If we live life with him, if we are allowing him to kind of define what is good and evil, if we're living in reality, in the story of God that's laid out in scripture, things 
will change. And again, the point of both heaven and earth coming together and God and man coming together is union. Okay, that's a brief recap of the last two weeks. So what do we do with that? What do we do with all these circles that are happening? What is going on? So this is, is kind of how we've explained our vision as a church. So our vision includes the story of reality found in scripture and the story of discipleship or apprenticeship to Jesus. So the combination of all those things right in the sweet spot, the overlap of all of those things, that matrix there is this vision or this mission that we summarized as in Alliston as it is in heaven. Okay, say it with me. In Alliston as it is in heaven. What we're seeking, what we're hungering for, what we believe God is hungering for is God's rule expressed in God's people, in God's place, in God's way. This is necessary for us. We need a vision. We need an aim for us to be pointing ourselves towards, pointing this church to, pointing the kids to. This is the purpose of what we're doing. And everything that we're going to be doing is in Allison as it is in heaven. And so what does that mean? How do we practice that? That sounds great, but what does that actually look like? I'm glad that you asked. This is kind of how we're going to unpack this. This is what this actually looks like in action, is this phrase right here. Following the way of Jesus for the renewal of our town. Following the way of Jesus for the renewal of our town. What we're going to do now is we're going to break down this phrase in hopefully a memorable fashion with three Ps. Okay? I've never done this before. The, the alliteration pastoral move. But I felt like today is the day. Uh, so the first P is patterns. The second P is partnership. And the third P is presence. So we are a church who wants this to happen. We want in Allison as it is in heaven to happen. We believe the way that happens is we follow the way of Jesus for the renewal of our town. Okay, firstly, patterns. Following the way of Jesus or discipleship. If you guys have your Bibles, let's flip over to Matthew chapter 11. And we'll read verses 28 to 30. So this is Jesus talking. He says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find a rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen, right? Who, who could use some of that? So what, what Jesus is saying here, and this is a common thing that rabbis would have said at this time, is their yoke is their set of teachings, or it's their way of living, their way of interacting with reality and the world. He's saying, listen, come learn from me. I've got some patterns for you that will help you engage and interact with, with the way the world actually works in a way better way than you are right now. That's what he's saying. Hey, you're, you're exhausted and you're heavy laden because the way you're living your life does not line up with the kingdom. Okay, you're in opposition to how I've made the world work. And maybe it's unknowingly, maybe it's knowingly. But listen, come to me. I'm going to give you rest. And I want you to learn from me specific patterns to how the world actually works, to how to engage with people, how to engage with God, how to think about things. Come learn from me. So we believe, we talk about this all the time, that Jesus is the, is the example of what it looks like to be truly human. Okay, so that's a good place to start to pattern your life after. You know, you see on Instagram or on Facebook, people selling you their like daily routine so you can copy their patterns of life. And, you know, whatever, that, that could make you an influencer on Instagram or more productive at the gym or whatever that might be. But from Jesus, he's saying, hey, come learn from me how to be a human being. 
And maybe those other things will fit into that. But come pattern your life after me. And as we read through the story of God, as we read through specifically the life of Jesus that we see laid out in the four Gospels, we see that there are specific patterns that Jesus had. There were patterns of habit and discipline that he had that are meant to be imitated by us. So that's prayer. This is not an exhaustive list, but that's prayer, fasting, generosity, and the list could go on. Silence and solitude, secrecy, all these things. And I was reading this week in the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus talks about prayer, about fasting, about giving to the poor. And in every time he's talking about this, he says a couple of things. He said, you have heard it said, but I say to you. And he also says this. He says, it's not a matter of if, but when. And when you pray. And when you fast. And when you give to the poor. It's not a, if you want to give to the poor, or if you want to pray, or if you want to fast. It's, hey, if you're going to live life in my kingdom, if you're going to live life under my rule, as, as human beings, if you're going to partner with me, you are going to do these things. You're going to need to pattern your life after me. So it's not a matter of if, but when. So when are we going to adopt the patterns of Jesus in our lives? When are we going to realize that the way I'm living is not working? The patterns I've made are not helping anyone. But how can I trust Jesus for that? So how are we going to do that? Is we're going to be teaching through, guys, and, and creating ways and atmospheres and practices to help us implement the patterns we see in Jesus's life. Okay, so that's going to be something we're going to be unpacking in great t- detail in the years to come, is how do we live with the spiritual disciplines? How do we live with the patterns that we see in Scripture lived out by Jesus? Let's flip over to the Old Testament, Jeremiah chapter 6. This is a lot of information, guys, but I hope it's helpful. And again, we're going to be unpacking this over and over and over again, but today is just kind of the big overview. Jeremiah 6, verse 16. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. We also realize and see that in the scriptures, in the story of God, that there are patterns of, of life of, that we see in other people. We see that in the, the life of David or in the life of Solomon or so many more. And so we realize that there are patterns of how the world actually works laid out in this Bible that we want to be completely familiar with and known by and, and live, live within. So we want, to be, we want to be shaped by this story. So b- being in the word of God is absolutely essential for us to live life in the kingdom. And that, that's part of the patterns that we want to see emerge are, are defined by this story. So we do this by Bible teaching. Sunday mornings when we do this in other atmospheres of, of community group or maybe we're going to do a workshop or something like that where we're unpacking patterns we see in the scripture through Bible study and etc. But all this we want to be consistent with the way of Jesus. Jesus, of course, had a great understanding of the Torah and the, and the prophets. He understood the scriptures and the story of God and we want to pattern our lives after that as well. Okay, that's the first P. Following the way of Jesus is patterning our life after his life. And that's the story of discipleship. Secondly, partnership for a purpose, for the renewal. We're following the way of Jesus for the renewal of our town. So there's a purpose here. I think that's so important. It's not just that, yeah, you know, I feel guilty about the way I live my life, so I should probably do something about it. There's a, a way better purpose. There's, there's, a, there's a repentance and there's a rethinking the way the world works for a purpose, for partnering with God in something in, in, that he's doing. And that's the, the other two circles, the kingdom come, that there is a bigger story happening here of heaven coming back to earth that God is inviting you and I to live in. And this goes all the way back to the beginning of the story where God creates humans. So Genesis chapter 1, if you guys want to flip over there, verse 26 to 28. 
Genesis chapter 1, 26 to 28. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This, of course, is in the creation narrative where it's talking about God creating everything that we see. So if we're made in the image of God, he creates things. He makes things. He takes raw material and potential and creates them into something better that's useful for others. It's beneficial to culture emerging and happening. So we, and I'm really happy the giraffes class is in here this morning, like you guys too, you are made to partner with God. He wants you and your, your lives as, as you're growing up to, to realize that you are created for a purpose, that you as image bearers were created to work with him and within his purposes for the world at large. God is renewing all things and he's inviting us to join him. That's good news. That's a great purpose for living. Why, why are you alive? I'm partnering with God to see the renewal of all things. Let's read from one of the letters Paul writes in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 2. one verse verse 10 for we are his workmanship created in christ jesus for good works which god prepared beforehand that we should walk in them there's a purpose for our lives god has created us to do something to partner with him to to engage with what he's doing he has a specific role for you to play and this is a quote we've, we've read before but i think it's really helpful here the familiar words of jesus are without me you can do nothing that's john 15 verse 5 But these must be balanced by the insight that, in general, if we do nothing, it will certainly be without him. Meaning that if if nothing's happening in our lives, maybe we're just not partnering with God. If If nothing's happening, maybe we're in opposition to his kingdom. We're wanting to build our own kingdom. We're looking, instead of renewal, we're actually tearing things down. And so maybe that's kind of where we're at this morning is, is kind of realizing, okay, I need to partner with God, not with myself or with the world. I need to be partnering with God. So we partner in the big story of redemption. We partner with God. And here's, here's something. We partner with one another. We partner with the people in this room. We partner with one another in loving covenantal relationship with a shared purpose. To see God's kingdom come in Alliston as it is in heaven. The beautiful thing, guys, is that God is inviting us into this whole story of renewal that he is instigating, that he is helping happen. It's not up to us to make it happen. We're joining in with what he's already doing. And so that, that means we're helping to see marriages renewed. It means seeing homes renewed. It means seeing things like gardens being restored, where there's just weeds in, in our neighborhoods. It means big things like ending slavery or sex trafficking. It, it means creating arts. You know, there's, there's people in this room that are incredibly talented with the arts. It means creating things like that, that express the creativity of God. It means making good food. It means creating new technology. All these things are part of the renewal process of God. And so that is good. It's not just about coming to church. It's not just about showing up on time. It's about this big story that God's including us in and inviting us to partner with him. So we pattern our life after Jesus. 
and the things that he did, the different habits he had. We, we pattern our lives after the story we see in Scripture. We partner with God in the big story of renewal by partnering with him and with one another. You guys okay? The final thing is presence. There's a, there's a specific place in which we're carrying this out. So we're following the way of Jesus for the renewal of our town. There's a purpose here, but there's also a location or a presence that this is going to be carried out within. So we're going to flip back to uh, a, the prophet Jeremiah again and read chapter 29. And we're going to read from verse 4. So thinking about presence, about being somewhere in our town. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Interesting. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. Here's the, here's the verse I wanted us to really grab a hold of. But seek the welfare of the city, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your your welfare. Seek the welfare of the city and pray for it. It's interesting there that God actually it says God sent them into exile. And it's interesting, I'm not from here, I'm from the States. Sometimes I feel like I really resonate with this scripture. I'm just kidding. I'm just, I love Allison. Um, but I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Uh, but there's this part that sometimes we need to realize. No, you skip. You skip the head. Um, that that uh, someone take a picture of that behind me. But um, I lost my train of thought. God has brought us here for a purpose. Okay, God sent Israel into Babylon for a purpose. And so you need to realize that you are here in this room. You've, maybe you just moved here recently or you've lived here your entire life. There's a purpose, right? We're fitting in the big story of renewal and patterning our lives after Jesus. But that is carried out within this place. You could be anywhere. You could live in Hawaii. You could live in Vail, Colorado. You could live in Timbuktu. But somehow God's brought you here. Okay, so let's be here. And so that's something that is really difficult for us it seems like in our culture and in our time is to be present in general right to be present at the dinner table is enough of a struggle so to be present in our community is a whole other thing but the thing that following jesus requires is that we are rooted and grounded somewhere you have to you have to be rooted and grounded and we believe that's within a community like this in a church community but also in your neighborhoods and your schools and your job where you go out for dinner what you do with your time all that is within a context or a location and for us, that's Allison. And this has been one of my goals, because I don't always love Allison. I talked about that late last year. I was super vulnerable. But I want to learn how to do that. I want to learn how to love and seek the welfare of my town. That that, that is the purpose that God has brought me here for this time, however long that is. I think it's going to be forever, but I want to love Allison. And I want you guys to do that. And I think when we do that, when we are patterning our lives after Jesus, when we're like grabbing a hold of the big story... The interactions we have with our neighbors and the interactions we have when we go get tacos with the people that work there, they're going to have a greater kind of magnitude in our, in our minds, I think. That, that, that there's a purpose in how I interact with, with the person I live next to. That, that I'm actually following Jesus here, right here, right now. It's not for one day when I get to heaven. It's right here. 
right? So the kingdom of God is at hand. We need to repent and believe. We need to, we need to be present here. Yeah, it's, it's, it's important for us to be present, especially in this constant, like, partial attention world that we live within. Okay, let's flip over to Psalm 42. You guys doing okay? I know this is a lot of stuff. Psalm 42, verse 1. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Everyone, anyone remember that 90s worship song? As the deer panted for... Um, great song. But the, the thing I think I want us to grab a hold of in thinking about this is that we need to value the presence of God. We need to, to find that, that desire to be present to God and with God is incredibly important in this whole process. And this could have fit in anywhere, but I felt like it fit in here specifically, this, this point, um, that we need to be aware of his presence even within our town. That when we're out for dinner, when we're, when we're living you know, with our neighbors and we go out for dinner at CW Coops and the, the waitress comes to you, we need to be present to God's presence even there. Aware of it. Even just, okay, God, is there anything, you know, how can I bless this person? How can I encourage them? We need to be available to God to be used at any time. Not just Sunday morning, not just when the, it's like the mic is open for you to come and share, but it's in every interaction you have, the more, the more you are aware of God's presence, the more you seek God's presence, the more available you are to him using you, hey kiddos, the better, okay? But that requires us desiring to be with God, to, desiring to be near him. But the, the, the flip side of that is realizing that God's presence isn't just at church, Okay? God's, God's presence is everywhere. It's, it's in, in him. We live and move and have our being. Okay. I got really distracted there. I'm sorry. Hopefully that made sense. We need to desire God's presence. We need to be able to discern his voice. And we need to be open as we're present, as we're in the moment, as we're not on our phones all the time, as we're not thinking about the next thing, as we're present, we're able to hear from God and discern more clearly what he is saying in specific situations and how to be you know, partnering with him in that bigger story. How we practice this, okay? We're practicing being present in our town as we live life together in our community groups. That's one thing. As we just live normal life in our neighborhoods, as we're on sports teams, as we go out to eat in restaurants, we realize that the people in our town actually matter to God. That the actual residents of Alliston or Tottenham or Beaton or Lyle or wherever, they, these people actually matter to God. And that, that he, his story wants to include them. We, we practice this in our jobs and at school and wherever we might find ourselves throughout the week. So that is how we follow the way of Jesus for the renewal of our town. How does that sit? Good. Okay, so if we're thinking through, okay, the big story of, of heaven and earth coming together, it results in union. If the story of God and man comes together, that's union. The big story we're heading towards is all four of those circles. So God's rule, God's people, God's place, God's way actually completely overlapping one another that's the dream that's what god is wanting and that's what we should partner with and wanting as well is these four circles together and that in the middle there is the vision it's in allison as it is in heaven okay so that is what we're devoting ourselves to that's what we want to see happen and how are we going to do that we're going to continue to unpack in detail but that's the big picture guys and so for the next four months no, sorry the next four weeks we're going to be unpacking uh our four values 
So we, we have kind of plotted out on that, the four circle drawing, kind of where each of those things is intersecting. We, we feel like God kind of showed us, okay, these are some values that we're going to hold on to as we, as we seek to follow Jesus for the renewal of our time. Okay. Cool? Awesome. So maybe you're like me, and you hear this stuff. You hear about patterns and partnership and presence, and you realize, okay, something's off with me. I'm not, it's not, I'm not in line here. And that's okay, because renewal or all this stuff that we're talking about, it actually requires repentance. It requires a change of mind. It requires us realizing, okay, maybe I'm out of line here, and I've been thinking I knew what was best, and I needed to to surrender that to God and let him define what's best for me. So repentance is a change of mind which leads to a change of life. So I'm going to kind of walk through one question from each of those three Ps and kind of get us thinking, and this will kind of transition us into taking communion together. So the first question I want to pose to you guys is this. What patterns am I actually following? Okay, if the goal is to follow Jesus' example and the story of God and the patterns we see within there, what patterns am I actually following? Interestingly enough, the end of that verse in Jeremiah, where it talks about finding the ancient paths and the ancient ways, Jeremiah says this, but they said, we will not walk in it. There was a decision that they made that the patterns were laid out to them, but they, they chose not to engage in those things. And maybe that's where we're at this morning, where we're living within the patterns laid out to us in the world. The patterns of the world, which lead to death, which are all about me and selfishness. And these things result most, most definitely in sinful behavior in all kinds of shapes and sizes. I'm not going to prescribe to you what your sinful behavior is, but maybe the patterns you're following the patterns of the world are continually, continually leading you to death and to sinful behavior, and God is inviting you to rethink that, repent of that. The second question, then, is who am I partnering with? Am I partnering with God and his people and his purposes, or is it something altogether different? Am I living in a place of isolation and rebellion? Am I living in a place of, listen, it's my way or the highway. I got it, God. I know what's right. I know what's wrong. Stay out of my way. You're not partnering with God. You're doing your own thing. Maybe that's where you're at this morning. Or maybe it's, it's the third thing, and this is the question I would pose to you. Are you present to God and others? Or are you distracted and they, are you unwilling to receive the forgiveness that Christ so eagerly wants to give you? Are you stuck in this place of guilt and shame and, in, and trying to avoid that and deal with that? You're trying to distract yourself from what's actually going on. But here's the good news, guys, is we're going to celebrate communion together. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus, Jesus Christ is the perfect embodiment of everything we've been talking about. Jesus is the intersection of heaven and earth. Jesus is the intersection of God and man. Okay? So we look to him, the one, the perfect one. And what we see in the story of God and what we believe by faith is that Jesus took up on himself all of our sin and death, all of our wrong behaviors all of our failure to partner with him, all of our distraction and distance from God, Jesus brought into himself on the cross. And so Jesus, through his death on the cross, opens up access for us to God and his kingdom. And through his sacrificial death, he, took, he takes on all of our sin and our shame, and he dealt death its fatal blow, only to rise again three days later. And that's what we celebrate when we take communion. We celebrate how God in Christ has reconciled us to him. And that he's including us in his big story of, of reuniting heaven and earth. We've given a purpose and a reason for being alive. 
So Jesus' death and resurrection, you may be hearing that this morning, and maybe you're new to this whole idea of following Jesus or to Christianity or to the Bible, and you're like, I don't believe in the resurrection. We can have a conversation about that another time. But Jesus' death and resurrection is something we as followers of Jesus receive by faith. I trust that that actually really happened. Moreover, I believe that somehow he's included you and I in his life, death, resurrection, and ascension. And that's what we celebrate. That's what we're rejoicing in this morning. These, these four scriptures, listen to this. Galatians 2.20, we have been crucified with Christ. Romans 6.4, we have been buried with Christ. Colossians 3.1, we are raised with Christ. Ephesians 2.6, we are seated with him in heavenly places. Here's the thing. It's easy to sit here and be like, yeah, man, I want Allison to look just like heaven. Absolutely. But it starts with you. Starts with you and your relationship with God, and so for, for renewal to truly come, we must first we must ha- we have to reach the point where we make a choice to no longer tolerate our current state of being. It's like the story we started with when you're driving and Jim was driving. He was like, "I can no longer tolerate this this messy windshield," and so I have to do something about it. And so what I think we do is is we try to cleanse our guilt, our shame. Our, our conscience with things like the double-double. We're trying, to, we're trying to use other things to cleanse us of all, all those things that we're trying to deal with. And what we see in the gospel is that there's nothing that can clear your conscience, your guilt, your shame, your pain, like the blood of Jesus. Okay? So that's what we're going to celebrate this morning. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. And as that's happening, guys, they're going to sing through a song. We're going to come up. And if you are someone here this morning and you, you follow Jesus, you believe he actually did go to the cross and die for you and rose again and all that stuff, we would invite you to come and take it with us. If not, then there's no pressure for you to do that. But as we're kind of sitting here, guys, I want you to take stock of what we were talking about this morning. Where are you at in the patterns that you're following and who you're partnering with and how you're present to God or not present to God? And there's a beautiful opportunity for us to come and repent and come and say, God, I'm, I'm so wrong here. To confess, to, to speak the truth. And about what's actually going on and move into a place of repentance. And that moves us right back into this whole lane of renewal, which is hope that God, you, are, you can make something beautiful out of this. Even Allison, even me, you can do this, God. So as the worship team comes on up, guys, we're going we're gonna to come on up at, at our leisure. And then I'm going to kind of lead us in communion after everyone has their stuff. Okay, so let's, let's just, let's take a moment though, to kind of, this is a, a reverent moment. We've had fun, we've been laid back, but this is a reverent moment to realize, okay, something actually happened. Jesus actually died. He actually rose again for a purpose. And so let's, let's kind of take stock with where we're at in that whole story and kind of move forward together.